Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and cool, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest Welcome back, everyone, to an all-new episode of Talking Terror. Tonight, with the doc still missing, we are in search of him, and while we do that, we're going to be talking about the Mad Monkeys pick for this evening, the Rocky Horror Picture Show from 1975, directed by Jim Jarmish. So, uh, Jim Sharman, rather, sorry. Jim Jarmish is the director of The Dead Don't Die. Mix those two up. Anyway, I am joined by the bold, the beautiful, waiting with such anticipation, the Ghoul Geek Keith. Hello. How are you tonight? On this lovely evening, everybody. (laughs) Just having a great time, having a great time as always with the ghoul. And we're also joined by the guy who picked this uh, movie for tonight, the Mad Monkey, because you know what? Smiling just makes his face ache. Hello, Monkey. Hi there, Fright fans. I'm the Mad Monkey. It's one of your four horsemen of the horror podcasts called the Talking Terror Crew. I'm just going to leave it at, after watching this week's movie, Nurse Johnston felt extremely sensual, which resulted in I myself feeling extremely violated. But Wow, the four horsemen. But, Who's on Anderson? <laughs> Doc. <laughs> <laughs> but but I th- but I, not I, I think <laughs> but I think I'm composed and I think I'm ready to broadcast. But Ghoul, can I have an extra pudding cup this week? <laughs> Hi monkey. Hi Ghoul. <laughs> no, Glad to have you no here, monkey. No pudding cup for you. <laughs> oh, bad monkey. Oh, denied that extra cup. Because <laughs> you didn't oh. eat your meat. So how could you have any pudding if you don't eat your meat? Yeah, you. you stand still, laddie. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, later on in the show, we're going to be talking about Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, I got some things to talk about with horror news. But first, uh, I'm going to give it to the ghoul for this one because this is something I'm excited about. And I want to kick off the show with this in case we run short for time. We have an announcement to make, the ghoul and I. Uh, Ghoul, why don't you hit everybody with the news of what we have coming up? All right, everybody. The king is pregnant. No, just kidding. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, it's, it's sexual chocolate to death. <laughs> it, 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 is, it is a transsexual Transylvanian something or another. Um, all right. I mean, here we go. I mean, the, the the, the, the long story short of it is is this. We're going to branch out a little bit here. We keep running into issues. We keep running into times where we, we go, we see a movie, especially a theatrical film, that we, we may want to discuss, discuss. Jeez, look at this. I can't even talk right now. Discuss. Um, being our schedules are always all over the place. We're not talking about doing anything where we're going to have a – this is basically going to be like Saturday night's main event for all you 80s kids out there that might remember that show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Every once in a while – 
you know, me and the king are just going to put something together and just pop off an episode on something. Now, we're going to stay away from the horror genre for the most part because we want to leave that for here, for Talking Terror, yes. the four of us. Um, so these will be films that are not horror-oriented, even though we're going to kind of kick it off with one that might be skewed a little <laughs> bit towards that. Yeah. But yeah. I digress. That's kind of just out of a... Uh, out of what what came from this, but anyway, being that all of these are going to be theatrically centered films, um, we are going to call this Cinema because we are going to go deep in your asses with these movies, man, and we are going to kick this <laughs> off tomorrow night. Okay, we're going to get our gloves on, the King and I, and we're going to go dirty with the Lighthouse. You know, the Robert Pattinson, Willem Dafoe, toward an indie force that is out there right now, old school black and white, tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. So if you want to hear about that, you know, tune on in, patch it in on your feed. It'll run through just like Talking Terror, which means it'll also come through automatically if you're already subscribed. Um, So it's kind of like a bonus show. And like I said, it's going to pop up every now and again. So it's going to be like a nice little surprise that you guys are going to get. You're going to be like, oh, my God, holy shit, look, another thing from the Talking Terror guys. Oh, it's Cinema. Yay! <laughs> it's a Cinema. So, yeah, we're excited about it because, uh, like the Gullet said, it's not going to be really horror-centric. We're going to talk about horror movies every now and then, but we're also going to be talking about comedies, uh, throw some dramas in there, a lot of the Marvel, DC movies we're going to be covering. So we're going to be doing a lot of that. It's not going to be a frequent episode like the Talking Terror show is. Uh, the cinema is probably going to be just maybe once or twice a month, maybe three times a month, depending on what we go see. Uh, but it's going to be new releases only. So you're going to get first chance to hear what we have to say about these new releases. Whether or not you care, that's up to you guys. But we're going to be there flushing out the shit so you don't have to go see it. And then again, you know, obviously we'll, we'll focus on whatever the main episode is. Nice. Um, you just gave us a theme song. Fantastic. You know what? You got to lay, you got to lay that down with the track, man. We'll be good to go. Um, lay some fat beats. I have a theme for tomorrow, by the way. I do have one downloaded. So we have a new theme for the show, just for cinema. So it's an instrumental. We will focus on, obviously, the movie at hand, but as, you know, as is the norm, conversation, discussion, it's going to go where it's going to go, and we're going to talk about other things that might be out there that maybe we're not focusing on, you know, like, I don't know, I've seen over the last, you know, couple of days, I got to see Arctic Dogs yesterday, animated feature with uh, with one of the kids, and but on Friday, I did get to go see the, uh, the much maligned in the box office. The dark fate and uh hold off on know, that because I want to talk about that. So I'm sure. I'm sure. That's in my horror news. So but uh, but that that is uh that's the kind of stuff we will we will throw in there, you know, because again, we're gonna be seeing these movies. I see a lot of films per week, as everybody knows. Uh the king hits a lot <laughs> of movies in the theaters as well. So it's just it's a fun way to get into some of the newer stuff. Yeah, and so we're we're really excited about it. So we're kicking it off with the Lighthouse, the new Robert Eggers movie. We've both seen it. So tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Eastern Time to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Listen in as we discuss that movie. We're going to be talking about the crowd reactions. We're going to be talking about some of the trailers that were presented before it. So it's going to be a good time. We hope that you all tune in for it. Yeah, y'all. Y'all from wherever the king says y'all. Where are y'all? Yep. 
from right here in rural Pennsylvania. <laughs> but uh, uh, one more aside before we kick off the show, and I don't want to kick it off on a down note because I want to kick it up on nothing but high, but this is actually a funny story because uh, over the weekend, my grandfather on my father's side passed away at 92. Um, he was a resident of Florida, great guy, always had a story, owned a hobby shop in Elizabeth, but the one memory that sticks out to me from him is actually horror-centric. Uh, it's because when I was about 10 years old, he took me to a video store when he was babysitting me and said, kid, rent whatever the hell you want. I don't care. So whatever, R-rated, PG-13, have at it. So I came up to him and I'm like, God, I don't know what I want. Uh, Jason Goes to Hell or New Nightmare. Uh, which one? It's Freddy and Jason. He's like, well, which is the one with the girl that you like? The one that had the spiky hair, you know, the cute one? I was like, oh, Jennifer Rubin from part three. He's like, well, then get free. He's like, don't worry about Jason. Jason's for another time. So I rented New Nightmare, watched it. My grandfather read the newspaper the entire time. He looked up every now and then, went stupid. And then I went right back to his newspaper. Um, <laughs> I was glad. Uh, I was just so glad that I rented that one instead of Jason Goes to Hell because a couple years later I saw Jason Goes to Hell. And there's a really great sex scene. And I was like, I don't know if I feel comfortable watching that with my grandfather. You know, all of a sudden this girl's riding a guy. And I have to go, oh, well, I, I didn't see nothing. I closed my eyes during that scene. No, you know I didn't. <laughs> but that's just a, a memory that I have of, of being with him and uh, being a horror fan at a very young age. It's a, a, a memory I'll never forget of my, my late grandfather. Rest in peace, Pappy G. Rest in peace, my friend. Indeed. Just a great one to share. But, uh, all right, so let's kick off the episode. Uh, where do you guys want to start, American Horror Story or Creepshow? Bring up, okay. Hold on. You bring up a, a great point, though, man. How uncomfortable is it? And especially, you know, I guess you and me, Monkey, especially get this from both ends, man. You know, I'm sure you dealt with, similar to the king here, situations in which as a, as a younger kid, you know, having to sit through like a sex scene for like that first or second time in a film with like an adult, whether it's your parent, your grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, and I don't mean when they're touching you, I mean like just watching it with you. Uh, and then though, to, to flip it around, as a parent now, running into situations like that, where it's like, you know, oh yeah, I forgot that that was going to happen, or you know, oh shit, I've never seen this movie, and they didn't warn me for that one. Well, See, the weird thing is, like, um, I didn't see much of those with uh, my dad or um, grandparents or anything like that just because my mom was very, very strict about those kind of comedies. I always had to watch them with, with my brother. Um, in fact, I didn't see Porky's, like, with my dad until, like, 10 years ago for the first time. And that itself felt extre- extremely uncomfortable as fuck, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Like just just because he's laughing his ass off at all those same moments that I'm laughing my ass off at, and I'm like, dude, you like this shit too? How come we weren't fucking watching this shit while I was growing up? And he was just like, <laughs> no. He was like, no. Your mom wasn't gonna have any of that, you know. <laughs> but he's seen he's all like, the movies what? on the. <laughs> but my, like, but my dad was always on the road. Now, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can yeah. handle it. Yeah. Seeing boobies. But, <laughs> But on the flip side, it's like raising Ian, he didn't have the bad brother or bad uncle to show him these movies. So, like, like you know, you, I've talked with you guys about, especially this past summer, 
Like, I have to do the dual role of being the dad, but then also being the bad uncle of being like, look, man, these are comedies that you have to see. You know, and you're, no one else is going to show them, but, show them to you but me. All right, so... You know, you just got to bear with me here, you know, and that's why I talked to you guys asking you, you know, what were the best, you know, 80s, you know, great raunchy comedies of all time. And he had a great time this past summer getting introduced to all the, those classic comedies. Oh, indeed, indeed. Mm-hmm. See, I, I remember for me in particular, like, you know, certain, certain films, um, sitting there with my, my grandmother, we had watched, uh, we had watched Reanimate. And that obviously has its its couple of sequences in it and whatnot that are a little bit like uh, boobies and this and that. Yeah. But for mm. the most part, it's played off in such a comedic way that you can kind of be like, all right, whatever. You know, Natty would always be like, whatever, Keithy, close your eyes. But then we rented <laughs> From Beyond. And that in particular has some real raunchy stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I remember it, yeah, dude. And I just remember it being like sitting there watching like what was about to happen, kind of mm-hmm. anticipating it as a kid. And then my grandmother just like, I guess it, it just hit that plateau. And she was just like, Keithy, get out of the room. I'll let you know when you feel that again. And she totally like, yeah. me out, man. You Don't can never come back in the room. Dude, no, a couple minutes later, I come back in, and then another scene occurred, and then that was it. Then the movie got turned off. I was not allowed to watch it. I ended up renting it like a week or two later on my own and just finally being able to to actually watch the film, but did not get to complete it at that point. And then, yeah, with my yeah. own kids, it's, uh, you know, I uh, I guess with my son, I was never, yeah, obviously, listen, what you kind of hear is what you kind of get. I'm a... Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of just police a, academy. A, a loud mouth, <laughs> bit of a fucking blabbity blabbity blah. Yeah, police academy is always a great example of that. You know, nothing like a freaking nine year old and his best friend coming over and being like, Hey, what's doggy style mean? <laughs> yeah, you know. Hey. Well, you know, the dog and the other dog, they like each other, so they hang out, they play, they romp, they throw a ball around. That's doggy style, man. Guys and girls do that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I what I kind of tried to do was play more of, because similar to you, it's not like my, my son has, you know, he, he had Dave and whatnot, but, like, Dave, he was young, Donovan, so it was kind of hard to, like, pull those kind of things off. He didn't see him enough and whatnot. Um, I tried to kind of steer him in the direction of, like, hey, maybe you should definitely not check this one out knowing full well that it would work the reverse psychology of him like kind of stealing it and sneaking off with it so i will have to say sometimes with donovan it was never it wasn't that easy sometimes his thick head it just wouldn't go through and it would be like dude do i have to take this movie and put it on in your dvd player and then walk away while yelling at you god why are you watching this again dude But, you know, he did definitely uh, get to enjoy uh, a number of films in that manner. And, yes, you know, to this day, he'll always be like, dude, you know, he'll he'll start talking to me about a movie. And I'll be like, this is why I love you, kid. This is why you're special. 
<laughs> the, the girls, on the other hand, though, that's like a complete and utter nightmare. You know, I, I remember my own parents, man, watching like Fatal Attraction, the sex scene in the sink. Oh, like, that's what it feels yeah. Every time, like, anything, like, even remotely gets sexual in a movie with the girls around, it's like, all right, I'm going to just pretend like I don't exist during this moment right now, okay? I'm going to away. I walked out of the room, but you know what? We're good. I'm just going to not be here. And then, but the, the, I'm you just going like, to melt thing into is, the like, cushion. <laughs> like, here's, here's a funny thing, though. Like, Sam, okay, I got this game on, uh, on Xbox, so Xbox Game Pass. It's like Jackbox 2 or something like that. It's got a bunch of these games in it, right? So, yeah. Monkey, you might actually enjoy this and have fun with something like this, especially when Ian and family are about. You don't need controllers. What you actually end up doing is, is you use your phone to log into the game. So this one game is called Fibbage 2, and the idea is they give you a sentence, and you've got to finish the sentence with a lie, and then multiple choices okay. come up, and you've got to pick which one is the truth. But you you wrote in one of the answers, and so did the other people with you, meaning like there might be five lies and only one truth, you know, but depending on how good you are with it and how you, you skew it, it can lead to some really hilarious things, you know? Um, so, so it's like so it's like a version of so it's like kind of like uh, a, a, another version of bullshit. Kind of, exactly, exactly. And you can fill in whatever you want. There's no censors, apparently. It's uh, I got away with putting certain things in there. But there'll be times, and again, you know, little little nightmare, little Sam. She's nine, and she put some of these lies in there. One, they'd be good enough for me to actually believe. I did fall for it a number of times. But two, you know, if it wasn't for her spelling. Okay, but when she she writes something along the lines of like you know I don't know a a, a pee pee magnet or something you know like it's just that she spells magnet with like an O instead of an E that's what really threw me off. But just otherwise though the the mentality is already there of just like crazy proportions. So um, yeah, um, one memory I have I think I've talked to this about with uh, you Ghoul is back in 2000 um, for Christmas, my uncle gave me a gift card to Suncoast, and he said, ah, you're in the movies, buy whatever you want. I really wanted to buy Last House on the Left because I'd seen it in a documentary, and I was like, you know what? This looks killer. It's Wes Craven's first film. It looks gritty. It looks cool. So I bought it on VHS, and I took it home. My dad's like, well, let's watch it together. I mean, it's, hey, listen, you know, you're in the horror. I have nothing to do. <laughs> So the movie starts, and he's like, oh, it's kind of cheesy, kind of 70s, right? Then all of a sudden, all the rapes start happening. And he's like, oh, what? And I was like, yeah, well, I, I didn't know. I didn't know. And he's like, huh. He's like, well, that was a movie. And I was like, yeah, yeah. There, there was a lot of rape in that one, right? And he's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you should be watching this anymore. Like, no, nah, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I was like, it happens. <laughs> it's just... He was just mortified at the end of that. He's like, you like this? And I was like, it's not bad. <laughs> I was like, it's definitely not the worst. You know, but yeah, just watching with your, your parents, you know, even when I got older, in my 30s, like there was a movie, uh, The Iceman, uh, about the Iceman, with, uh, Richard Kuklinski with Michael Shannon. And there was a huge sex scene in that. And I'm like in my 30s watching that going, oh my God, I can't believe I'm watching this guy fuck this wife. <laughs> my parents sitting next to me. I'm like, oh, it's just, 
I want to walk out of the room now and go to the bathroom. Go, oh, sorry, guys, I'm going to go to the bathroom. <laughs> you know, call me when the scene's over. <laughs> you know? well, hopefully during that scene, your parents aren't just eyeing each other just a little bit. You know? <laughs> no, they probably were. And I'm like, oh, gross, guys. I don't want to know. God, stop doing that. Stop being weird. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, uh, so, guys, where do you want to start? Uh, Creep Show or American Horror Story 1984? Uh, sure. Your pick, here. fellas, whichever way you want to go. Oh, Monkey, why don't you pick? Why don't we go ahead and just go with um, Creep Show and knock it out because this is the final episode of the season. Okay. Why don't you give me uh, your thoughts on both segments and, and whether or not it was a good, solid season finale. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, again, like the, like the ghoul had pointed out before, this is one of those ones where we have two very opposite stories because we have skin uh, – the first one I watched was Skin Crawlers, um, and then the second one was by the Silver – sorry, by the Silver Water of Lake Champlain. Um, yeah. I had a heck, heck of a time trying to find a copy of this one. Um, yeah, I definitely felt like – by the silver water of Lake Champlain was the weaker of the two, um, even though, even though it, surprisingly it was done by Tom Savini. Um, but it, it gave me this uh, definite '80s Spielberg kind of feel to it, like it was mm-hmm. a mix of, um, like a weird mix of ET slash. I don't know if you remember these movies or not from the '80s. Another one called. Baby about a bit uh baby, a baby with the dinosaur. fucking dinosaur, dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> and and, and then and then also <laughs> and then also a movie called The Quest, which had uh the kid from E. T. in it. Like for some reason. Henry Thomas, did. yeah. Yeah. And but okay, so the ghoul definitely remembers baby. Alright, so I'm not the only one. But uh yeah. Um and this movie it's I mean the, sorry, this sequence, um while I definitely felt it was the weaker of the two, it definitely struck me as Savini trying to do another thing that people don't give Stephen King credit for when he does his writing. And that's because everyone credits Stephen King about how thorough he is in his character creation and how strong he makes his women. But no one ever really talks about how Stephen King is really good at writing a real asshole of a male. You know, mm-hmm. um, and just no one ever talks about it. You know, about, about he's able to write the abusive husband, the abusive dad. You know, the shitty boss. It's like he's really good at that, and I think that's what Savini was trying to go for in this sequence. Um, skin crawlers was just a lot of fucking fun, man. Yeah, skin crawlers. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, I was just rolling all over the place. But I'll let you guys go into these parts, and we'll all talk about skin crawlers. <laughs> yeah, cool. What did you think about this finale? Yeah, again, I felt uh, very similar where it was uh, just like the whole season. It felt like the one part of it was weaker than the other, um, and drastically. You know, I definitely felt the dr- – yeah, you know what it is? Honestly, I feel like they should have flipped – these two stories on this episode Agreed. and and maybe yep. it wouldn't have felt as bad as it did you know because skin crawlers was so much 
fun. It was messy. It didn't try to really, it didn't need to look real. The digital effects looked like super digitally, like they were very fake looking, but it didn't matter. I enjoyed the premise. I enjoyed what they were doing with it. It actually, it's similar to an episode of Doctor Who, which used these fat creatures from like space that came down and they were like the adipose or something like that, if I remember yeah, right. It's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's the adipose. <laughs> yes. So, so yeah, that, you know, like, you know, like all of that like worked in there. It was kind of like one part that, one part Weight Watchers, and then just to turn into such a a beautiful, beautiful mess at the end of just just muck everywhere. <laughs> so to go from that and roll into this very kind of slow paced, slow build up to like you know a, a big finale. I don't know. I feel like I would have rather that and then ended it on the big messy note. You know, let it be a big splashy finale. But uh, but either way, yeah. both were okay stories. I see what you mean with the Spielbergian. Um, you know, I know Stephen King's kid wrote the story, Joe Hill. Joe Hill, um, yeah. So, uh, you know, it's Savini directing, which, I mean, again, so Savini directing, I never look at Savini as a, as a director. I see him as an SF, uh, you know, a special effects guy, and I see yeah, him yep. as an actor, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you think, uh, King? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with uh, the ghoul that the story should have been flipped. If they had did Lake Champlain first, I would have been okay, because not a lot happens in it. It does take place in 84. Uh, they do make a point to show that it takes place in 84. Um, the creature was kind of cool looking. Of course, you have the, the dickhead, you know, guy standing in for the father that was obsessed with uh, the Lake Champion monster. It's just, it drags. You know, it was just a long story that didn't really have a lot of good of a payoff. So if they had kicked it off with that, that would have been great because Skin Crawlers was great. It gave you the gore. It gave you the blood. And Dana Gould is hilarious. I've always loved Dana Gould. I think he's a great comedic uh, stand-up guy. I think he does a lot of great writing because he wrote for The Simpsons for a long time. He loves horror movies, so it definitely showed, um, you know, as a guy that wants to lose weight, and now you have this option with these little uh, creatures that are like leeches. I'm not doing that. No, I'm not putting that thing on me. Like, what are you, crazy? Like, no. Sorry. I don't care how fast it works. But once that solar eclipse hits and you have all the creatures bursting out of everybody, it was just a bloody good mess. And that should have been the, the kicker of the, the ending, you know, for a finale. It would have been so much better. If they had ended it with skin crawlers. Yeah. So if I can I, give yeah, you guys I, a little bit of hope for something real quick here. Sorry, I don't yeah. mean to interrupt. Mm-hmm. It's just I happen I happen to look at something here. The director of that episode is Roxanne Benjamin, who is right. currently writing and directing the remake of Night of the Comet. That's Ooh. awesome. Because I'm a huge <laughs> fan of that movie too. So oh, that, I'm looking forward that to that movie. So much fun. Up. It is. I mean, that's a staple of the 80s. It works with the skin crawlers thing. Though, like I said, too, though, when we did talk about that remake, you know, I do feel like we already got that uh, with Slither. And, you know, if if Slither wasn't good, I would say, all right, I'm all for it. But the fact is, Slither (laughs) did it well. And it did it funny. And it still did it in a a nice homage to that era of, of type of film. So I just hope, well, again, like I said, seeing what she did with Skin Crawlers kind of gives me some hope. I just hope they give her a little bit more money for the uh, the special effects. 
I'm sure they will, and especially seeing what she did with Skin Crawlers. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what she does with Men of the Comet, the remake. Uh, so moving on from that to AHS 1984, where we get the mother of the year, the lady in white, played by Lily Rob, who it turns out is <laughs> Benjamin Richter's mom, who in a great kind of parallel to Friday the 13th, uh, in the same way where a kid dies at the lake and she swears revenge, and that's what originally happens in 1948. Uh, complete massacre of the camp at the hands of Benjamin's mother, who doesn't Reverse really like Benjamin that much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At uh, Camp Golden Star. Uh, it's great because she hates Benjamin and has no problem saying that she hates him. <laughs> All throughout the episode, even when he comes back to the camp, she's like, I fucking hate you. You should have died, you motherfucker. You fat fuck. Like, <laughs> you know, just, just really laying into him, but ultimately becoming the mom that he really should have had when she realizes that he did love his brother. It really was an accident. He, in fact, named his son Bobby after the brother that got uh, lost in the, uh, the lake. Uh, we also get to see Brooke come back, which is great, uh, with uh, Donna. And kind of an antagonistic relationship they have for a little while until she realizes, you know what, you brought me back. I need to get my revenge. But first, we need to go to a roller rink because i got to oh, live the age. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and Brooke looking fantastic, like she just stepped out of a fucking Paul Abdul music video. With the black top and the jean jacket and the pants. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know. no, 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 uh, no, Don, no, Donna was looking hot in that thing, man. <laughs> so, she was. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> she had and we also get introduced to Bruce. Yeah. Uh, we also get introduced to Bruce, played by Bill McDermott. We also get introduced to Bruce, who's like a serial killer, played by Bill McDermott, who ends up uh, meeting up with Donna and Brooke only to be defeated by them where they get the upper hand and cut off his thumbs in time to a pole. Uh, but the best part of the entire episode is the fact that they have the Camp Redwood concert that's going to be coming on. So all the celebrities are starting to arrive, including Kajagugu, of all people, oh, from never any story fame, and Shy. But he doesn't make it too long because he runs into Richard Ramirez and he gets slaughtered in his van. So Kajagugu is dead. No more never-ending story. No more shy, shy. He's dead. So is that why they anyway. is that why they never got back for another tour? <laughs> That's why, because he got killed. But with that said, uh, Ghoul, what would you think about the Lady in White episode of American Horror Story? Uh, I, you hit the nail right on the head, man. The whole Friday, like it was two parts. Obviously, you had the uh, the Donna yeah. and the Brook tale, and you had what was going on at the camp with uh, with, with Benjamin and and his mom. Um, yeah. Very much a Friday the 13th type of origin for, for him, uh, having the crazy mom. She's the one who ended up doing the first, you know, bit of a bloodbath there. And, uh, and yeah, she, she spilt that blood. She, she put the curse on that camp. Uh, how that's all going to turn about at the end, I don't know. You know, all I know is at the end of the episode, when he was sitting there on the dock and he was looking to kill himself, even though I know she saw him show remorse about the brother, I still did not feel like she was doing that for the right reason. You know, I almost right. feel like, in a way, if he survives whatever event occurs with Richard Ramirez, whatever whatever we're building up to here, I feel like this has trapped him now at this camp to now forever oh, be yeah. tormented by his mother. Yeah, uh, yeah, I gotta agree with you, Cool, because um, I'm sorry, King. The whole thing about the mother's love finally—I didn't feel that at all. I felt like 
she was giving some advice, but she was giving some advice on the sly and not telling, definitely not telling him everything because she sure as fuck isn't going to drop, you know, 40 years of guilt just like that because he said he named his son right. after his dead brother. You know, I, mm. so I didn't take it as right. all, as, I didn't take it as an all is forgiven moment in any way, shape or form. Nope. <laughs> Yeah, the, the blood curse is a cool kind of aspect. But what about the Brooke and Donna story? What did you guys think about that? I, it got them from point A to point B. Oh, sorry, cool. Go, sorry, cool. No, go, ahead. go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 no. You were on a roll. Do your thing, man. <laughs> no, I was Somebody just saying that I felt like it just it got them from point A to point B. Um, you know, we, we, we knew that Brooke got saved by Donna. Now we got to find out why, and, you know, we knew that ultimately somebody's got to go up against Margaret, who's actually from the land of the living. You know, you can't just have it be a bunch of dead people, and Richter, who is, you know, freaking raised by the devil, along with Ramirez, who's also (laughs) raised by the devil. So we had to bring in somebody that actually is alive and still has a bone to pick with her. So that worked. But, yeah, Brooke definitely looked good at the uh, the roller rink, man. <laughs> definitely did. And I like Bruce. Yeah. Dylan McDermott, great as a serial killer, trying to get up to the Ted Bundy numbers because he's done five already. Yeah. So he wants to get up I, there. <laughs> and I took this whole sequence as a very um, death-proof kind of nod, if you will, of, you know, kind of killer killer going around, going after the chicks. But it also shown, like, in the short amount of time, how much Brooke and Donna had grown into badasses in the short amount of time. Because they went up against serious badasses, and then here comes Dylan McDermott, you know, going, okay, I'm going to get you girls. And they're like, okay, (laughs) let's go. (laughs) Well, you got to remember, too, Brooke spent five years in prison, man. Yeah. Yeah, she's not going to be stopped by the serial killer. And I also got the Hitcher vibes, too, from uh, Bruce. Definitely had some Hitcher oh, vibes, too, okay. the way he tied her up to the back of the truck, you know, and you're going to hit the gas, and she's either going to be dragged or she's going to be killed, and they get the upper hand. Uh, this isn't his only episode. He's slated for two. So we might see him come back in some form, either for the finale in two weeks or tonight's episode, Rest in Pieces, which premieres at 10 o'clock. So... I'm looking forward to seeing how they bring him back because now he's missing his thumbs and he's tied to a pole. So how he gets away, uh, that's going to be something interesting. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just have all these funny scenes running through my head of Dylan McDermott trying to hold a knife or something with no thumbs. With no thumbs. Clapping. No, just <laughs> clapping like a, no, like, like a penguin or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's interesting that you said penguin, uh, monkey. Because since Doc's not here, we can kind of expand right into (laughs) comic book stuff because Doc's not here. You know, he doesn't like that. But Matt Reeves, uh, the Batman, is going to premiere in June of 2021. And there's been a lot of casting news the past couple days for people that are going to be in this movie. So, like I said, Monkey, you said the Penguin. That's been cast. And it's going to be played by none other than Colin Farrell. What? Colin Farrell will be playing Penguin. Man, okay, you're saying the first. So, how many are we looking at for this new Batman movie? Because did, did well, you put up a that's the off? first. Yeah, yeah. I'll give you that one. How, how so, Colin Farrell, Penguin, and we also have Paul Dano. That's Clitch with a K as the Riddler. 
<laughs> we also have Zoe Kravitz from X-Men First Class. Uh, she's going to be playing Catwoman. But the most interesting one we've already talked about through our group chat, Matthew McConaughey, all right, all right, all right, is going to be playing Harvey Dent, a.k.a. Two-Face, in The Batman. Dude, we, we've talked about this before, man. It's like you overload a movie with too many villains, you kill the fucking movie. It's like you, yep. don't, we, you, don't, you do not have enough movie unless you break this movie up into like four other movies to actually give enough story for everybody, especially when we're getting introduced to all of these characters and these actors playing these characters for the first time, man. This... Uh, it didn't work in the original Batman franchise. It's not going to work here, man. It's, they're they're going to fucking shoot themselves in the foot. Uh, go ahead, Cool. I know you got something to say about this, man. <laughs> well, I mean, again, when you're saying the original Batman franchise, you know, remember something. We had two Batman movies done by Burton. We had two done by Schumacher. Um, Burton, with his second film, you know, threw out two people, and really, one of them yep. was a villain, one of them was kind of an anti-hero. You know, you can look at Catwoman yep. on both both ends of that. It was really, you know, the Schumacher movies in which you got overloaded with villains, and then, you know, even when you look at, like, Poison Ivy and having Bane as her underling, yep. you know, as opposed to Bane being his own character that he was in the comic book. Um, yeah. I think there is a lot getting thrown out here right now. I like some of the choices for the roles. You know, when you first said Colin Farrell as Penguin, I was like, you know, like kind of like the the Penguin. Um, (laughs) You know, but that's also because forever entrenched in my head is going to always be Danny DeVito because he was this little (laughs) rotund little man and it just fits so well that he could be that but that being said I just sent a picture over to you guys and you know like if you, you take if you take the penguin as the somewhat illegitimate businessman penguin that he turns into in the comic books I can mm-hmm. see Farrell playing that role. Paul Dano, clits with a K, just looks, he, he is just going to easily be a great Riddler. I'm sure we're going to get the reformed Riddler character here. Um, the mm-hmm. one who no longer wants to be a villain, but kind of keeps getting thrown into things. So maybe he'll be almost like kind of helping Batman while not really being a straight up good guy. I mean, Catwoman is just a hot chick in an outfit. Uh, I, I yep. hope they give her more more to do than that. And, yeah, uh, and yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like the guy they got for Gordon. I don't know his name. I know he played Beatty in the uh, Hunger Games movies. Uh, He's in Westworld. He's good in that. I, Westworld as well. Ah, uh, yes, yes. I'm sorry. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's the other show I knew him from. Um, I still need to finish season two of that. I got so deep di- I deep dived into that damn thing, but season one hit me so fucking hard that I couldn't <laughs> even, like, stay focused for season two. I'm, like, sitting there trying to pick away at every little episode and moment in season two, yep. but I stopped watching it, like, shorted my brain out. Um, mm-hmm. So 
go, yeah. And I, I like, did the same uh, thing. And I, I, <laughs> and I think Circus will be all right, I guess, as as Alfred. That's always a difficult yeah, one okay. because I think of yeah. Michael Go. You know, like I Easily. think of the guy that yeah. did it in, in those four Batman movies. The guy just looked it. He just felt it. It felt natural for him to be that. Um, not like I hated Jeremy Irons. I thought he was all right for what little bits Michael we got Kane of him. Michael Caine was was good in the Bale movies. Um, I don't know. Michael Caine just always feels like he's cashing a check, though. You know, ever since Jaws <laughs> Four. Okay, I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. After knowing what he did, after knowing what he did for Jaws Four, I don't know if I could ever take Michael Caine seriously as an actor anymore. And that was thirty something years ago. You know. <laughs> let it go, let it go. That's <laughs> coming out in two weeks, everybody. Who's ready for Frozen Two? The monkey, obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah Frozen Two um, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> so, but we definitely have a release date for the Batman. Uh, like I said, June of 2021. So we'll see what happens. I know that Matthew McConaughey is in talks to play Harvey Dent, so it hasn't been uh, cemented in. But so far, it looks like he's going to be that character. Uh, but moving on from one franchise to another, Terminator Dark Fate, $100 million loss opening weekend. Uh, they're claiming that it is officially Ooh. a flop. Uh, Ghoul, you had seen it. Uh, you know, obviously no spoilers, but do you think that, you know, it, it shouldn't be considered a flop, or do you consider it to be one of those entries that's just not very good? No, listen, man. I mean, the fact is that they it's listed at a budget of $185 million. So if the movie only made $100 million on its opening weekend and it's not looking to have the potential growth that, that they need to see to think that it's going to be a success in theaters, it's a, it's a flop. Um, I, uh, you know, I ended up uh, – I didn't go Thursday night. I ended up going early on Friday. Uh, my job schedule got cleared out real easy because of a, of a flop and there was just no other work for me, so – you know what? I was like, all right, I'll just go. And, you know, I happened to look up, and in Mammoth Mall, there was a 1045 IMAX showing. Um, you know, a couple of people in the theater. It's, a, it's an IMAX theater, so it's really big, but I don't know, maybe 10, 10 to 15. Again, it's 1045 in the morning. So I wasn't expecting for it to be a, a heavily <laughs> on a weekday. theater on a weekday, you know, so... But but that being said, you know the audience seemed they seemed into it. Um, I I have a lot of complaints with you know with trailers lately, um, and I don't know if it's just because I'm seeing movies in theaters as often as I am that I'm seeing these trailers that are just longer maybe or showing more of the film than they should. Another show that, that, you know, that I do, another podcast that I listen to, I listened to them talking about that film today. And, you know, two of them had no idea uh, that even Arnold was going to be in the movie. Um, Or at least one of them knew that Arnold wasn't going to be in the movie. And like that, like blew my Mm. mind because it was like, that was all over the trailers. I could swear that's even on the poster. Um, so it was kind of like, okay. uh, but like, I just know that from everything that I gathered in the trailer watching for this movie, you know, everything that kind of like was like, all right, yeah, do I want to see this movie? Of course I do. It's a Terminator movie. Uh, was all in the trailer. You know, it was kind of like, okay, thanks for, uh, you know, pretty much just fucking letting us know that this is the plot. Uh, I would have preferred a much more, you know, bit of a mystery to the film. 
personally. And I think if they're going to point any yeah. failures, that's it right there. It's just that they did not create something and then had marketing not show everybody what the fucking hand was. Well, yeah, well, that's, that's, uh, the trailers are, are a, a sticky thing because I know from the horror standpoint, <clears throat> the Black Christmas remake, the Sophia Takal directed remake comes out uh, in December, and the first trailer was released not that long ago, and it pretty much gave away everything in the movie. Like, it shows you everything that you're going to see, and a lot of fans are flipping out going, oh, my God. Like, you showed us this trailer, and it gave away everything. Like, give us a minute and 15 trailer. long trailer. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. Like, I watched it, and I was like, okay, I'm looking forward to it, but you gave me everything. So they released a new one this week, yeah. and it shows you about a minute less, but still the damage is done. Like, we know what's yeah. going to happen in this movie. We know what's going to – the killers are, and it's, it's terrible. The fact that these trailers now are kind of ruining the experience, where you go in yeah, knowing just, what you're going to expect. I just yeah, wish they were going to do that. Minutes. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I don't disagree with that right there, but, like, listen, okay, I get it. I'm in the theater – you know, obviously they want to show some coming attractions. I think they should be limiting the amount that the theatrical films, the trailers that they're showing you when you're at the theater, they should be limiting yeah. the length of yeah. those trailers. If you want to watch a longer trailer, then fine. Go find it on YouTube. Yeah. They want to post that up, yep. go ahead. But make it for somebody that actually wants to see that. As opposed to somebody that might yeah. actually like going into a film, not knowing. Like, I'm the kind of person who sometimes just puts on a movie without even reading the fucking synopsis. Just because I might like an actor or two in it or the name sounds cool. Um, right. You know, that's just, just how I am, you know. Not everybody's like that, you know. I know the cool girl, she gets mad yeah. at me. Because I'll hit play and she'll be like, yeah, fuck you. I didn't get to read the damn synopsis. Um, <laughs> what do you fight here? The struggle is real, yeah. people. The struggle is fucking real. Believe me. <laughs> no, but I agree because, like, we all talk about, you know, probably the worst offender out of all of them was Thor Ragnarok. When it gave the biggest thing that, you know, of the entire movie away right there in the trailer. <laughs> you know, showed you right there in the trailer that Hulk was going to be in the movie. So all of the things that mm-hmm. we were building up to there. Yeah, no, no surprise. Guess what? We saw it in the fucking trailer. <laughs> yeah, we know what's happening. Yeah, it sucks. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, just, I hate to do that. Oh, that was the worst. The recent Pet Cemetery yeah. showing that the fucking door yeah. is the one that died. You know, like that was some horse shit right mm-hmm. there. In the trailer, like in the trailer, even in the TV spots. Like, okay, well now I don't need to see the movie because now I know what the twist is. Like you just officially <laughs> ruined it for me. So now I'm never going to see your shitty movie, and it is shitty. But um, <laughs> that. So when you know, was standing, I, saw it. I did, I saw it. and I regret it. Yeah. So that all being said, hold on, though. That all being said, here's what I'll say about Terminator Dark Fate. Similar to Genesis, which I did want to see them actually continue because I liked the way they, they did certain things with that film, and I would have liked to have seen where they wanted to take that story. Dark Fate also was crafted with the idea of follow-ups to come into play. Now, it's its own independent story. It's not like it's one of those where it ends on a cliffhanger. Mm. I really hope that this isn't the end of the Terminator series. But what I do hope is is that somebody goes back and rather than saying, hey, let's reboot this whole thing all over again for now the (laughs) fourth time – 
why don't we actually try to commit and say, you know what, let's continue one of these other stories, or let's come up with something completely fresh and try to combine some of them together. Let's make it. Let, let's fucking join the franchise to something else. You know, let's mix it up. Yeah. You know, put something in there. RoboCop versus Terminator. You know, I don't know. <laughs> oh man, I see that. That, that in was a second. That was that. That was actually a Dark Horse comic <clears throat> back in the day. And a video game. Oh. I remember playing the video game back in the day, uh, RoboCop versus Terminator. Uh, but yeah. with, with, Dark, uh, with Dark Fate being what it is, Arnold Schwarzenegger once again being in the news because of that film, now he's giving interviews saying that, you know what, he'd be open to legacy sequels to two of his films that are, uh, I think people consider them classics. I don't know about you guys, but Last Action Hero and True Lies. He'd like to see somebody make a sequel to both of those, and he'd be up for playing that character again in both of those films. Ooh. I'd love Last to see a Last Action Hero, Hero sequel. Yeah, well, yeah, I love that John McTiernan movie from back in the day. That was great. That was a huge um, movie when it came out. Man, that was like a Who Framed Roger Rabbit kind of feel, <clears> but <throat> pick, it, pick it on action movies. Oh, man. Yeah, and I love it. <laughs> True Lies, not so much. I'm not a big fan of True Lies, but I am a fan of uh, Last Action Hero. Uh, would you guys want to see a sequel to either of those movies? I'm fine. I'm fine. Because that means they would have to get James <laughs> Lee Curtis again if they did, if they did True Lies. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I... fine just thinking of Jamie Lee Curtis the way she was in True Lies. <laughs> I'm good. Don't, don't need to see it think, again. I don't ever think of nope. Jamie Lee Curtis in any sexual way. So nope. um, <laughs> that yeah, being said, no. No on either of them. And the reason, and the yeah. reason being is this. I, I, I like True Lies, you know. I'm not going to say it's my favorite mm. camera movie. It's definitely not, you know. Aliens, right. Terminator 2, The Abyss, you know, there's a lot of – I prefer that level of action from him. I like the sci-fi aspects of things more than I liked his, his little murder mystery thing um, or spy movie. That being said, if it was – even if it was 10 years ago – Maybe I would have been okay with it. Now I just kind of feel like the two of them are too old, him and Jamie Lee. You know, Schwarzenegger, even in Dark Fate, he's – all that mass is gone. You know, he's – okay, I guess that's wrong. All that muscle is gone. There's just Mm -hmm. a lot of mass there. And even that, he does not look – anywhere near as big and as, as imposing as he once did. I know they can work things with special effects. He can get in the gym again, work out. But look, man, the guy's, what, 70-something years old now? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's past that time. If they want to continue the True Lies franchise, then it needs to be with, like, him and Curtis kind of taking a bit of a back seat to allowing the next generation to come in, which we're seeing with a lot of franchises nowadays anyway. So that's obviously a possibility. Last Action Hero, the only thing I could say, like, you know, I love that movie. Like, I I loved that movie when it came out. I know a lot of people didn't. I read the novelization of that movie. I watched that movie (laughs) when it was on cable. I don't know if I played the video game. That would have been what, like an NES or Genesis game? Yep. Mm. I played them on both. Yeah. I love that film, though. 
And, and the but one thing that I guess I oh. could say is that it would work. Sorry, I know I'm blabbering. I know it's cool. you know you know me you know me when I love something. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's good. Thank you, small hairy creatures. I guess you could go with the meta aspect of dealing with yeah. the aged hero. You know, him actually being like unable to be that hero anymore. You know, but do you bring back the actors? Do you bring back what Brian not Brian Austin Green, that was the kid from nine oh two one oh Daniel Bryan. Austin. <laughs> was it Austin O'Brien or was Daniel? Oh, was it Austin O'Brien or was it Daniel? I, there was an Austin yeah. in that kid's name. I know that one. Yeah. I see a lot of Austins. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, but but what's what's a what's a ghoul is saying though right there of the hero not being able to be the hero? Okay, you're looking at possible sequels. Then wouldn't this possibly be a time to do a finally do a Conan the King movie? Well, he's wanted to do it. He said he's wanted to do Conan the King. So I don't know if that could be possible, but I'd like to see that. I mean, what do look, you think, if they're going to find some big muscle-bound guy. <clears throat> I mean, I, I've never read Conan the King. So if that's Arnold being the king as Conan, which means he's going to sit on his throne and not do all that much, but kind of bark <laughs> orders, then what we need is we need the next generation of, like, supersized muscle man who is actually, like, somewhat capable of acting just a little bit. It's, <laughs> see, it's not even like oh, see, that's the thing though. It wasn't like Arnold was a good actor. He wasn't. He was terrible. But he had yeah. that, that <laughs> it factor, you know. And that's the problem. Yeah. You could throw these muscle-bound fucking guys out there left and right, but they just don't have that that factor, yeah. that special thing that Arnold yeah. had, man. Like think about the fucking Barbarian twins. You know, those two oh, fucking oh, dumb nuts. Oh, yeah. Those guys were jacked up out the asshole, you know? They did all kinds of movies. They were funny. They had good personalities. Yeah. But they weren't Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. And John Cena, sit down. We're not talking about you. No. You're, 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 you're not elected <laughs> no. for this No. And Roman Reigns, too. Go eat a dick. Oh, you'd see him. <laughs> yeah. What was it? Yeah, it wasn't The Rock. Was it Jason Momoa that did... Uh... One of them? He did was Conan. Hercules or he did, he did Okay, he did Conan. Okay. No, The Rock, I don't know why the I Rock Hercules. did Hercules. And didn't Momoa do Conan? No, I guess Momoa wasn't Conan. Who was Conan? They did a Conan movie a couple of years ago. And oh, that's what I was thinking. It had to be Momoa. Because I, I was thinking I was The Rock. But no, I don't know. That's, that's a weird one. I, I <laughs> didn't even know they did that. Okay. They did, yeah, and I keep getting them mixed up with The Rock and, and uh, Jason Momoa, you know, who did Conan. It was in 2011. Did, uh, oh, maybe it was Jason Momoa. It was Jason Momoa. My bad. <laughs> it was Cal Drogo. Cal Drogo as fucking, uh, yeah, Aquaman. As Aquaman. Aquaman. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so there you go. So there was one. Okay. I, I was mistaken, but... Uh, that's how so, bad yeah, that, that one was. That movie was so bad, I've, mm. like, literally wiped it from my fucking memory. Like, uh... I remember plenty of things about Conan the Barbarian. I remember probably more than I should of Conan the Destroyer, particularly <laughs> Olivia, De, Olivia Diabo was very Ooh, memorable yeah. in that movie because she was... So friggin' hot, man. And the fact that that was Kevin. Love on the Wonder Years. Wonder Years. Oh, wow, oh man. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> uh, I, we know the most was all about out. Grace Jones, though. I, I he was, loved man. I was. May, Mayday. Mayday. <laughs> and Tina Turner and Thunderdome. He was all about her. <laughs> no, not Tina Turner. No, ma- no, no Master Blaster runs. <laughs> no, Master Blaster runs butter down. <laughs> One of them roll right down that river. Um, oh, come on. So, yeah, that's it, guys. You, want, uh, you wanted to be the Ike to Tina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fish better have my Shut money. Up, bitch. <laughs> Shut up, bitch. Make me a sandwich. <laughs> yeah. uh, but that's all I got, guys, for what I have for news. So if uh, you guys have anything before we get into the movie, uh, feel free. Uh, Otherwise, let's get into Rocky uh, Horror. I'm oh, good. Oh, uh, man. You, no, you dropped yeah. something real quick today on the fucking on our messenger, man. How could you not talk about that? The uh, the, the the Nick Cage movie coming out in January, dude. Oh, Color Out of Space that I'm fucking looking forward to so much. I know that the monkey hates Nick Cage. That's why I was like, I don't know if we're going to have time, but I want to talk about it. But, yeah, Color Out of Space, based on the H.P. Lovecraft story, which is actually a movie back in 1987 uh, called The Curse with Will Wheaton uh, before he was on Star Trek Next Generation. But, yeah, the Color Out of Space uh, is one of my favorite H.P. Lovecraft stories. So to see Nick Cage in this, from the producers of this. He's Wesley Crusher to everybody, but he's like the coolest geek ever, man. But to see the trailer, to see how they're going with it, Richard Stanley is a director famously getting kicked off the island of Dr. Moreau and getting replaced by Jerry Bruckheimer because he was too fucking insane to do that movie. Um, To see him doing (laughs) The Color Out of Space, uh, I love the trailer. I I sent it to you guys. I don't know if you guys had a chance to watch it, but I loved it. I can't wait. And just for you yeah, to know, uh, he, he is actually saying the color out of space, not the Colorado yeah. space, because he's really excited no. and he's messing his words together. The it's color the color out of out space, not Colorado. Space. <laughs> but not it's got Colorado Nick Cage in it, and he's being crazy again, so I love it. Any <laughs> movie where Nick Cage is fucking engaged. out of space. Yes. Uh, Ghoul, what did you think about the trailer? It... Again, it's what the same producers as Mandy, so you yes. know what, yep. man. It looks <laughs> to be just as insane and just as bizarre, and you know the Nick colors. Cage doing what Nick Cage is gonna do, man. Because it's like I said, you get the same, you get the same performance no matter what. Nick Cage <laughs> is just gonna show up on set and he's gonna do what Nick Cage does. Now everything else you do is what's gonna dictate whether or not he works in your film or not. So as long as you tailor everything around to what Nick Cage is gonna do, that movie's gonna be a fucking trip and a half, man. I just hope it gets a theatrical release. I'm hoping too. I know that RLJE is behind the release, so it might just get sent right to Blu-ray. But I would love to see it theatrical. I'd love to see it on the big screen. Uh, like I said, Richard Stanley. He directed Hardware back in the early 2000s and also Dust Devil. But, yeah, Island Dr. Moreau. There's a great uh, documentary called Lost Souls. And he talks about his vision for the movie and how fucking insane he got with it. So for him to do this movie, I'm really excited. Because he's got a fucked up mind that I can't wait to see what he does with this Lovecraft story. Especially with Nick Cage being uncaged again (laughs) for another movie. (laughs) Crazy fucking demons. Some fucking people, man. Crazy evil. 
<laughs> I, I, I can see it working, though, because the thing about that particular story is you have to be able to – like, I, you know me. I'm not a fan of CGI. But yeah. Yeah. when you when you read the original story, there is no way to be able to do this story without modern-day effects just because of how much this story relies on imagery that cannot be done with just regular effects. It's a thing of this movie has to seriously trip your mind in a major way. And if they let Nick Cage go, I, I'm willing to say this might actually work. Yeah, yeah. I don't like Cage, but yeah, I, I've read the story. I know the story. And yeah. if they let Cage go and they sit there and do the effects true to the story, this could actually be a really kick-ass movie. And I'm telling you guys, if you have not seen The Curse yet from 1987, it's worth checking out because it's based on the same story, and they do a lot of the practical effects of the 80s, and it's chicken, really well done. Chicken, uh, chicken. Until 1989 when they came out with The Curse 2, The Bite, which had nothing to do with The Color Out of Space, and that was just a weird sequel because it's an Italian sequel, and the Italians just take the name and they make a sequel. So uh, that's one to avoid. But the curse from 1987, it's a great one. It's one I've actually wanted to bring up on the show a couple of times, but uh, I digress from that because I want to get into the Mad Monkey's pick for tonight, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, 1975. Uh, why don't you take it away, Monkey, with uh, what your thoughts were, what it's about, and we'll get into it. Okay, well, fine then, Monkey. I would like... If I may, to take you on a strange time. It seemed a fairly ordinary night when Brad Majors and his fiancée, Janet White, two young, ordinary, healthy kids, left Denton that late November evening to visit a Dr. Everett Scott, ex-tutor. Our friend to know It's true, there were dark storm clouds, heavy, black, pendulous, toward which they were driving. It's true also that the spare tire they were carrying was badly in need of some air. But uh, they, being normal kids and uh, on a night out, well, they were not going to storm. On a night out. It was a night out. They were going to remember for a very long time. All right, and that's our setup for the movie tonight. <laughs> nice job. I liked it. I have audio clips. <laughs> All right, monkey. Stepping okay. up the game. <laughs> I hope that came through clear. Um, that was, I think it did. That was a curse of the. That was a curse of the Weir Squirrel, right? No, no, no. It oh, was a curse of the Weir oh, Squirrel. Oh. <laughs> but I, I, I mean, as far as like you know how I feel about this movie, I mean, what's there to say? I mean, we're talking about one of the most iconic cult movies of all time. Like this, this is a piece of cinema history that moved beyond the kitchen camp that this movie he definitely is. I'm not arguing that. But it became such a powerful part of so many people's lives that it's like 
I, I'm just glad we're finally covering this piece of history. All right. All right. Uh, so, what do you think about Rocky Hart? <laughs> oh, no. Hold on. Monkey was going to say more. Well, um, oh, no. It's just all I was going to say is I, I love how this movie breaks down to if, if you have – let's see here. It breaks down to if this movie affects you, it breaks down to those who you – know, you have three groups that are like, eh, you know, whatever. But then you have the two groups that the, it actually affects you, and they're the groups where they fucking love it, and they want more of it, and they want to become a part of it. Or then you have those others that, like Brett and Janet, after watching it, just feel violated. And I just love t- talking to people and finding out what group they fall into after watching this movie. But that's it. Um, cool. This is your first time, I believe, right? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have a I have a very long and storied history with the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Now let me paint the picture for you. This goes back as far as I can remember in high school. Um if I remember right, my friend Jessica was a big fan of this. Everybody kept talking about it. I'm somebody that enjoys musicals. I like music. I like films with music in them. I like when they interact, you know, when they, they, they interweave it into the film that way. Um, something like this you would think is right up my alley. Yet I have never actually made it through the entirety of this movie. And, I, you know, I had thought that maybe the last time I tried to do it, I actually did, and I just didn't remember until I saw the end of it this time. I actually finally made it all the way to the end of this movie. Um, that may be a first. I've gone, you know, anywhere from a quarter to probably more than halfway, but never actually made it to the end. I didn't know fucking what the hell I was seeing by the end of it this time. Um, yeah. That being said, I don't have anything against this movie. I just don't find it enjoyable. Um, and not even in a Brad and Janet type of way. It's not like, um, you know, it's not like, like uh, I'm not fun with that kind of thing. I think Tim Curry's fantastic. I just don't like the rest of it. Now, that being said, if you had done the experience, do you think maybe that would have done something a little bit different for your viewing, or do you think maybe you'd at least have fun doing the experience? I absolutely 100,000% want and have wanted and can't wait to actually go and see this in a bustling theater with a bunch of people that know the movie have the props, they're going to be throwing shit at the screen and doing that kind of thing. That I'm all for, man. That sounds like a good time. I know they do it at the Matawan Theater. I say it every fucking year. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get over there one of these days. I got a friend down in Maryland, and they, they perform. Like, you know, she was one of the performers. She played Columbia, you know, on stage for the whole thing. Um, I just uh, I never got around to going to see it down there either. Uh, yeah, and when I was going to do that for this week, when I looked it up, there was literally six people in the theater, so I just didn't right, see that being right. the party. It's not the party I want, you know what I mean? I, if I'm going to get it, yeah. I want the full-on fucking effect. Yeah. Um, King, uh, what do you think of the movie? I mean, I've always loved Rocky Horror. Um, you know, when I saw it back in, like, seventh grade, I want to say middle school, definitely, 
Uh, I saw Rocky Horror for the first time, and I fell in love with it. I, I love the songs. I love that it was kind of punk rock. I love the fact that it was just very kind of – you have the squares of Janet and Brad who kind of have a sexual awakening during the movie where it's like it's, you know – we're white bread, but at the same time, we're meeting all these people that are creeps and freaks and weirdos, and it's it's fun to be on that side of the fence. You know, it's fun to have a good time. Uh, and I've seen this live many, many times, like at least ten times that I can count. I've seen Rocky Horror live. And, yes, cool, you need to see Rocky Horror Picture Show live, and not in the crowd of six people, but in a full place. Uh, <laughs> I actually just saw it last year for, like I said, the tenth time. Uh, over at Tele 360 downtown Lancaster, and it was a full bar, and everybody had their props, they had their water pistols, they had their toast, they had the toilet paper, they newspapers, had everything to go, and the newspapers, <laughs> yeah, and rice, and everything else for it, and it's just an experience when you see it with a bunch of people, because it's not just about the movie anymore, it's about the experience of seeing it with other people that love it just as much as you do, um, the story, it, I have a problem with it because I like it up until the third act. I've always loved I Rocky agree. Horror until the third act when the reveal of what they really are is. And then it kind of falls apart. And then it's like, all right, well, you know, the movie could end at this point, and I'd be fine with it. I wish they had done something different instead of including the whole alien aspect, but that's the way they wanted to go with it. Because I was having fun up until the RKO show on the stage. Because I felt like it dragged, well, and I felt like, okay, well, we need to wrap up. Uh, see, at the same time, I had fun with it because I like, yeah, it drags a little bit, but at the same time, growing up as a sci-fi kid, I got where that particular sequence was coming from, so I enjoyed it, and I also enjoyed the songs right there because depending on the version you watch, school. Uh, there's a U.S. version, there's an English version, and there's another song added in the English version at the end um, <clears throat> called uh, Superheroes that's added yep. and stuff like that. Yep. But, um, I've yeah, seen both versions. But, yeah, I've got both versions on my DVD set at home. But before we get into this movie, I just want to talk about what a work of labor this movie was for the people that made it. It's like, you know, this was a labor of love by um, Richard O'Brien because um, I seriously did not know this until researching it for the the movie this week. I did not know that before this thing became a movie, it was a stage play. I had no idea that this was was a stage play. Yes, it was. That had a huge – that, like, Apparently, this stage play had a huge run over in England, like going for months and months and months and months. Yeah. Um, and this movie was actually the movie adaptation of that stage play, <clears throat> which also starred many of the same stars from the movie, with the exception of uh, Susan Sarandon and uh, Brad. Um, Barry Boswick. But, yeah, Barry Boswick. But the cool thing is that because – um, excuse me, Richard O'Brien and Jim Sharman were just like so enamored with this project, even though they act very humble about it. They're always taking behind the scene pictures of it. They were always keeping behind the scene interviews going on. That you know, there is a very uh, distinct preserved history for this movie. Like whether it's books by Richard O'Brien, the creator, Jim Sharman, the director, Sue Blaine, who did the costumes. Um, uh, you know, along with all of the pictures of everyone just looking 
fucking miserable when that <laughs> camera wasn't rolling. And they were fucking miserable, man, because um, where where it was filmed, it was a place uh, called Oakley Court Mansion. The thing was a fucking wreck. This is where they filmed a shitload of Hammer films. Um, oh, yeah. Like ten, yeah, 10 years prior. <clears throat> you know, thankfully, they left a shitload of set pieces behind because they got reused in the movie. But, um, yeah, man, it's like there was, there was no, no fucking heat in the building, uh, ba- ba- barely any plumbing. <laughs> it, because they decided to film this in jolly old England from – fall through winter it rained pretty much every fucking day and this thing leaked like the fucking house in fight club <laughs> um <laughs> everyone's fucking cold everyone's fucking miserable the only the only way they had to get warm was from the <clears throat> lights that were the lights that were being used on set or the one um <clears throat> validated warm room in the house where they had uh some space heaters but that but that only that only lasted about a quarter of the way through the movie because the room caught on fire because of the space heater. <laughs> so, so the rest of the time, the only thing they had to keep them warm was coffee, whiskey, and a shitload of cigarettes. That's the only thing they had to keep them comfortable during this fucking ordeal that they had to go through. <laughs> yeah, but, and the uh, the criminologist uh, I don't know if you knew this uh, monkey played by Charles no. Gray in the movie. Was supposed to be played by Vincent Price. I did not know that. He was a huge uh, fan of the stage play, Rocky Horror Show, and he wanted to be a part of the production of Rocky Horror Picture Show and play the criminologist, but his scheduling didn't match up with what they were doing for filming, so they had to quickly get Charles Gray to fill in for Vincent Price. Oh. Um, yeah, because I also found out that Steve Martin had um, uh, tried out for the part of Brad. But they actually turned yes, him down did. because because they thought he looked too old. He was a little bit too straight for the for the role of Brad, believe it or not. And he was a little bit too much money, <laughs> you know. So they decided not to go with him. <laughs> but um, but before we go back into the movie, I'm just going to say this last piece is Oakley Court Mansion. Okay, was a fucking wreck back then. Now you can stay there because they went yes, and did a complete. They went and did a complete fucking restoration on this thing. I've gone onto the website for Oakley Court Mansion. It, it's fucking beautiful. It, everything on the outside is still the same, but they did a complete restoration on the inside. It's it's back to uh, you know stately manner <laughs> type of thing, and you can rent a uh, you know a nice room there for only seven hundred dollars for a weekend. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, great. So King, yeah, that's what I want so to do. King, like seven hundred dollars. So, so, yeah, so after we win the lottery, King, we're we're, we're all we're all gonna go stay there and do the time warp. I think so. The court mansion. I think that'd be great. <laughs> Once we win the lottery, it'd be a great way to spend seven hundred bucks for a weekend. Um, but with the movie itself, I like the fact that it does move at a pretty quick pace uh, for what you have. I mean, you go right from Denton with Janet and Brad from the wedding all the way up until they get to the castle, which I love in the movie when they're at the wedding. If you notice, Tim Curry plays the preacher, Richard O'Brien and Patricia Quinn, who plays uh, Magenta are working side and side, like American Gothic with the preacher, but also Columbia is in it too. Columbia is also the one cleaning the pews when they're singing damn it, Janet. 
she's the other one. So it's yeah. kind of cool to see them out of their makeup mm. and then get into the castle yeah. when they first get introduced to Riff Raff and Magenta yeah. and they go into well, the time warp. Well, also, funny. don't forget. I always think of that damn it, uh, Janet, with this guy Steve I used to work with, man. Steve, the one-armed guy. I know I've, I've, I've said <laughs> stories about him before. But I remember every time I would say, damn it, he'd always be like, damn it, Janet, I love you. Right. <laughs> no matter what. You know, we'd be in the middle of somebody's house, like, working on a fucking thermostat, and he would drop it if I said it. <laughs> Go ahead, monkey, the continue. Yeah, the other fun thing about that scene is not only do you get them, but everyone that's at the wedding are also all of the Transylvanians out of costume. They are. And you actually get to see all of their faces as well. So, you know, again, great double acting there. Curry <laughs> standing back there as the priest, all stone-faced, so fucking creepy looking, man. He's oh, yeah. such an odd-looking yep. fella. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and you have, like we said, the time warp. You have all these people attending the annual Transylvanian convention. Uh, but when it's over, you have, of course, Brad saying, does anybody know out of Madison? Because he's so <laughs> fucking square. You know, but it's the introduction of Tim Curry as Dr. Frankenfurter, one of my favorite introductions to a character ever, coming down from the elevator to sing Sweet Transvestite. You have no idea what the fuck is going on, and all of a sudden he just opens up that elevator. Susan Sarandon's reaction is fucking fantastic. I'm almost passing out. <laughs> How do you do I? <laughs> you know, talking about the fucking candy man coming to the door and just ripping off that robe and he's in full regalia just dancing to this song. I love how Columbia's into it. They're magenta and riffraff are into it. Just something very I just I love it. Yeah. It's just no, I agree. He, Tim Curry as Dr. Frankenberger, he's a fucking gorgeous guy. <laughs> it's like, you know, you can't take your eyes off of him. Just the way he carries himself. And yeah. I love the fact that they break the fourth wall all the time in this movie. Like when he splashes yeah, the camera with the water. He's constantly fucking mucking it up for the camera, man. He is anytime Curry is on screen in this movie, I'm yep. watching. You know, like that's the thing. Everything else about this movie, it may make my brain flint. It may go here. It may go there. Tim Curry as this character is phenomenal. Again, I don't know if I'd call him a gorgeous guy or or a beautiful woman, whatever you want to say about him, but whatever it is, he's magnetic. You know, you just can't look away because you don't know what the hell he's going to do next. No. And, you know, the whole thing about, uh, you know, finding him a satanic mechanic, you know, why don't you come up to my lab and see what's on the slab, you know, just inviting him up for this entire thing. Like, you're here, so you might as well see what I have. You know, I have this great experiment upstairs. So come up to the lab. We're going to strip you, first of all. <laughs> when he's talking to him in the lab and he's like, oh, Brad, do you have any tattoos? No? How about you? <laughs> just being very playful with him. Um, it's just, it, like the ghoul said, he's magnetic. Every scene that he's in, you can't get enough of him in this movie as Frankenfurter. He's just so, just, you can't deny it that he's such a great character in this movie. Well, it's funny, too, because, you know, like, it just happened to be last night. They did this thing on ABC, um, The Little Mermaid Live. And, Mm -hmm. you know, what they did was they intercut, like, the cartoon. They actually showed the full movie, cartoon and all. So as they were showing it, though, you know, all of a sudden the, the screen 
would would split and things would come down and, and all of a sudden you'd go from watching it in cartoon form to them performing certain portions of the film and the music numbers especially live and in person. And the person that they chose to to do Ursula, the the, the villain oh. of the film, the octopus, was Queen Latifah. And she did great. Okay. She was fine. But coming yeah. off of watching the Rocky Horror Picture Show, I'm watching Ursula, <laughs> and all I could sit there in my head was thinking, God, I would love to see Tim Curry playing this character right now. Because I could see him <laughs> completely like putting on the full regalia with the fucking tentacles and the legs and the arms going in all kinds of different ways, and him owning the shit out of it. Yeah. If he was yeah. able to do it, I could definitely see him doing it. Um, mm-hmm. But we find out that he's creating the perfect man. Blonde hair and a tan, you know, he's discovered life. <laughs> kind of like Dr. Frankenstein. He's discovered how to make a man. And I love the reveal of Rocky. What after he's find spinning my all the colors. <laughs> Frankenstein, he's Frankenfurter. But um, when they have the reveal of Rocky Hart for the first time, <laughs> Riff Raff is talking about how he's like the perfect creation, Magenta's agreeing, and Comey goes, he's okay. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I've created life, and he's okay. What do you think, Janet? I don't know. I don't like a guy with a lot of muscles. <laughs> what, are you kidding me? Like, he's the perfect well, specimen. I didn't build him for you. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, it's such a great line. You know, and then we get, uh, our, after our, our song about how he created the perfect man in seven days, you have the introduction oh, wait, 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 of Meatloaf. Wait, 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 okay, wait, 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 wait. I just want to, ba- I just want to ba- uh, go back, back, and back, just super quick. All right, because talking about the introduction of Frankenfurter and stuff like that, the original plan for all of that was it was up until we introduced the Frankenfurter, the entire movie was supposed to be black and white. And then, okay. what, what? And then once we get introduced to Frankenfurter, it was going to be just his red lips that we see. Everything's still hmm. black and white. And then, right. and then from his red lips, color was going to go all over the place, and then the rest of the movie hmm. was going to be color. So it was going to be like a Wizard of Oz kind of moment. But the studio was like, nice. uh, but the studio was like, fuck that, that's too much money. No. Hmm. <laughs> it would have been cool. One of my phobias since I was a kid. Okay, maybe phobia is too strong of a word for it, but I guess it kind of fits it, man. Mouth like this. Okay, mm. every time that fucking mouth is on the screen, it creeps the fuck out of me, okay? It's too close, it's too big, and it reminds <laughs> me of this old fucking mattress commercial when I was a kid in, like, the 80s, man. I don't know, I can't find it for the life of me either, but there was this mattress commercial in New York, and, you know, one of the <clears> things <throat> that would happen in the damn commercial was you'd see everybody on the bed, and in the background was this big, red-lipped fucking mouth, and this mouth would smile. I would have fucking nightmares of the fucking mouth eating me. I'd be laying in the bed, and it would be trying to swallow me like Freddy fucking Krueger from Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3. Okay, that's the kind of shit I would have these dreams about. So seeing that shit on this screen for this damn movie every time I've seen it always makes my asshole clench a little bit. <laughs> and I do love that. I do love the intro, though. I'm not afraid of mouths like you are, but that is actually Patricia Quinn's lips. 
that do the song Science Fiction Double Feature, but it's actually Riff Raff, Richard O'Brien, who sings it. So unfortunately, Fisher and Quinn uh, didn't get to sing that song. No, uh, no. Yeah. Actually, the lips are a model. They're, they're a model. They aren't Patricia Quinn. Oh, see, I always thought it was Patricia Quinn. That was the no, uh, her lips. Okay. No, it, it was originally supposed to be her. It was originally supposed to be her singing, but then they actually got a model from that time to be the the, the iconic lips of the cover and uh, the opening. Okay. Sequence. All right. Well, that's unfortunate because I did I love that opening. But yeah, like I said, we it's, get introduced to me as Eddie. Yeah, it's still great. <laughs> but we get an introduction. Hopatuti, <laughs> bless my soul. I really love that rock and roll. Just coming out of there, Columbia's <laughs> obsessed with him. Eddie, you know, and just excited the fact that her boyfriend's back on his motorcycle singing his song. But unfortunately, Dr. Frankenfurter has to commit a mercy killing because he doesn't want anybody to be <laughs> rocky. So I just I love it. At the end of the song, he goes into the deep freeze. And he just hacks him up with the, you know, the pickaxe. And Rocky's just like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm sorry, baby. It was a mercy killing. It had to be done. <laughs> and this Don't is, look at me like that. Meatloaf. This is Meatloaf before Meatloaf. You know, this is before the Bad Out of oh, Hell yeah. album, yep. man. This is oh, 75. Yeah. Bad Out of Hell don't drop till 78, man. So, like, he had done mm-hmm. stuff. He had, to- you know, he had toured with various bands and things like that. You know, I know he had opened for, like, The Dead and The Who and a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah. But there was no, you know, paradise. Like, none of that was happening yet. You know, he didn't meet Jim Simon <laughs> until about a year after this. And that's where the magic happened. I love Bad Out of Hell. It's one of my favorite fucking albums. <laughs> I do. I, I, I can't deny on that regular, one. Man. But I did love but, Eddie uh, in this movie, especially because he got yeah, Columbia. Yeah, yeah. I was like, hey, a fat but, guy yeah, like that yeah, could yeah. sing and he gets Columbia? Hell yeah. I'm into him. <laughs> but, but during this entire scene, uh, Love didn't feel comfortable with being on the motorcycle. So all the up-close scenes, he's just in a wheelchair <laughs> yeah, with, the yep. da- with, with the dash in front of him. But that being said, he was cause, and he did it because he was afraid there was going to be an accident. Guess what? It didn't help. What? Because while being pushed around on the wheelchair, he ended up falling over the railing, falling onto an extra's leg, and snapping that leg in half while being in the wheelchair still. Jesus. Oh, God. <laughs> right. That sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But. but yeah, <laughs> with Eddie, but, with Eddie dying. Wait. Yeah. Go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. I was just going to say. But then we get back to the wedding night. <laughs> Which, just- my favorite scene in the movie, like it's one of my favorite scenes ever in a fucking movie, is the fact that you have Janet and Brad in separate bedrooms. So Janet's asleep, and all of a sudden you see a guy walk in, and he's got Brad's voice. He's wearing the glasses. He's like, Janet, are you there? Oh, Brad, I'm so scared. Just hold me. And he starts kissing her, and all of a sudden the wig falls off. And he's like, oh, my God. What? <laughs> But don't you like it? What is it? Given to your pleasure? But isn't it nice? No, it wasn't all bad, was it? I think you really found it quite pleasurable. But the fact that he puts up her legs real fast and he's like, what if he caught you like this? And she's like, all right, well, if Brad can't find out. <laughs> then I he just love Brad's bedroom. Yeah. He uses the same lines on Brad, man. That's great. Like everything. It's total, it's total work in both sides. But what I love about Brad's sequence is that, yeah, he's kissing the neck and everything like that. And Brad's like, well, okay. If Janet doesn't find out, he's like, whoa, whoa, you know. 
and all of a sudden Riff Raff comes up on the TV, and he's like, Rocky, uh, Rocky's escaped, and he's missing, and we need to find him. He's like, coming! Stephen Brad just kind of just delving into his, his yeah. sexual side with Frankenford. You can't deny it. Sexual pleasure. And I love the fact that uh, later Rocky uh, Frankenfurter has that line with Doctor Scott where he goes, "Well, Brad bended it at will." (laughs) You know, you know, Brad's exchangeable. (laughs) You know what? (laughs) Go ahead, Mike. What were you going to say? No, I was going to say. So now we have Rocky running around. You know, and it's because Riff Raff and Magenta decided to fuck with Rocky. You know, there's some kind of jealousy going on. They were messing with him. He broke his love chain from the love, the the giant love. The bridal suite. uh, Yeah, of Frankenfurter. And and it was running around. But then we see uh, Janet checking all the Videotrons. And then she sees Brad Brad and Frankenfurter in the bedroom together smoking cigarettes. (laughs) After she just had (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so now she, so now she has no idea what to do. Oh, Brad, what am I gonna do? Oh, I have nobody. Oh, what am I gonna do? And then she goes to the lab for some reason. And yeah, then we to, to tend to Rocky's wounds. Well, she I just love the Rocky's fact there. that it was after she banged him too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah that's even better. <laughs> well, you know, at least Brad was sloppy second. <laughs> yeah, but tending to Rocky's wounds and all of a sudden getting into it. Yeah. I love the fact that Columbia and Magenta are watching it. <laughs> well, Columbia wears Mickey Mouse ears. And this is one of my favorite songs in the entire fucking movie. Like this Touch is me, really like on that one? Yes, I fucking love that one, man. And and it, the fact that it actually gets played a, along with the Time Warp. You actually hear this one every once in a while on radio stations around Halloween. And I fucking wow, lose my I shit. Uh, uh, but no, I haven't yeah, heard it's that like, Okay. But it's just it's something about Susan Sarandon and her voice because we know how Susan Sarandon sounds and yeah. normally, but the voice that she made for this character for this movie, and then carrying it on even higher into her actual singing, I just fucking loved it. It's like uh, oh, I just thought she was sexy as fuck. Yeah. Uh, she did a lot of good uh, movies, though, back in the 80s, where she showed a lot of her goods. Unfortunately, she wouldn't show for Rocky Horror, but she would go on to show a lot later. Um, unfortunately, unfor- unfor- unfortunately, when I saw her naked in The Hunger, I wish I hadn't actually seen her naked. All right, she's yeah, like, I mean, considering unfortunately... that you know, she's an older woman. She's an older woman here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's 30 at this yeah. point, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. She's just oh, – I've never – ever seen Susan Sarandon as a young actress, you know, like she's just Never. one of those, like, yeah. those people that always no matter old. what age they are, they always look old. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. So you get the, the, you know, touch me. And then all of a sudden she's being seduced by Rocky. So they have their sex creatures of the night where she sees everybody on top of her at the same time. Seduced by Rocky, my ass. She fucks the shit out of him. She didn't get to oh, do nothing, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, they were just having fun. Uh, but we also get introduced to Dr. Everett Scott, who shows up looking for his nephew, Eddie. Rocky, uh, not Rocky, uh, Frankenfurter thinks that he's there with Brad, kind of working in cahoots because they knew who they are. And I love how goes, oh, is he another Earthling? Shut up. Oh, sorry. I mean, <laughs> another person? <laughs> I'm like, oh no, they're going the alien route. 
Because he talks about and how you know Dr. Everett Scott works with UFOs. This was the first time, again, like I said, like I've seen this movie a bunch of times. This is the first time I guess I was ever really paying attention. You know, one of the things I have to say is every other time I tried to watch this movie, I was probably really stoned, especially during the, uh, the high school days. So that probably did lead to me not paying attention to the film. Um, mm-hmm. That being said, though, out of all the times I've ever tried to watch this movie, this is the first time I ever realized they were fucking aliens. Like, I picked up on the, uh, the whole wow, Earth okay. thing and the UFO thing, and I'm sitting there going to myself, oh, fuck, they're aliens this whole time? Is that really where this movie goes? And, uh, yeah, so to get to the ending. But my actually my favorite scene out of this entire movie is actually the sequence that comes up when they discover Janet and Rocky together. Oh, and my God. The, Janet, the, Rocky. The, the, <laughs> Brad, Rocky, <laughs> Janet, Doctor Scott, Janet, Brad, Rocky, <laughs> like, and Rocky has the exact same face on the entire time. We're just so mad. Rocky every time. Yeah, I, I can watch that One probably for like an hour. Sh- I can watch that for an hour straight and probably just laugh through it. You know. <laughs> And I love that uh, Frankenberger finds Janet and Rocky in the tank, you know, and he's pissed off about it. But Magenta runs in looking fucking smoking hot. Patricia Quinn is so hot in this movie as Magenta, wearing that black bra and the little skimpy outfit that she has on. There is I served. Wanna, I want to like her. You know what it is? I want to like her, but then every now and again she makes a face or looks a certain way that reminds me of a certain person that we all know. And uh, mm. not, I know who you're yeah, talking I'm about. Sure, yeah. I'm sure you know exactly who I'm talking about. And they're I not do. a very attractive mm. person. And they've got really bad breath. Nope. And everything about that person just makes my penis want to go out my asshole. Mm. Um, so, yeah. yep. Okay. Goes that's that's <laughs> Magenta smoking hot, though. I mean, how's it? But, true. Now, all to dinner. <laughs> what are we having, King? <laughs> it's so great oh. because they all sit down, and you have Riff Raff pouring fucking wine just haphazardly in all the cups. Love like, not it. even, love like, paying attention. <laughs> you and know, I, just and, dripping over the table. And, and I, yeah. I love how it's also um kind of like a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving because none of the silverware, <laughs> the cups, plates, none of it matches. It's none of it. Like, it's yeah. like coffee cups. <laughs> you know. Yeah. All different like brands got like a cow mug. Like Charlie Brown my <laughs> ass, dude. Welcome to my house. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's the fact that you have Dr. Frankenberger cutting up the meat with the electric uh, you know, knife. And he's just jamming it to his face. Look at this. It's a tender subject. Dude, that was great, man. As soon as he dropped that again, like like I said, it was like I watched this for the first time this time around. As soon as he dropped that line, I'm like, oh, shit. Well, it was the fact that after they serve up the meat and just Riff Raff's just dropping the slices on the plates, just not even serving it up. He's just dropping it. And you have Columbia <laughs> sitting next to Rocky, and she's cutting into it and just kind of being nice about it. And Rocky's just fucking digging in with his hands. She's like, come on, dude. He's a fucking fork, man. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Jams the fork in it and just shoves it into his mouth. <laughs> yeah. Like the ghoul had said, when that reveal of Eddie underneath the table all cut up and shit like that. But mm. before that, when Columbia realizes mm. what they're eating, and she just goes, mm. excuse me, guys. 
She closes the door. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> just that scream of knowing what you just ate. And and the thing is, for for that scene, the only people that knew what was getting ready to happen were um, uh, Tim Curry and um, Riff Raff. No one else knew what was getting ready to happen. Well, nobody. So, that's awesome. No, that, so that's why Tim Curry and Riff Raff had the stoic faces while everyone else's faces were all fucked up, is because, yeah, that reveal was true. <laughs> okay, well, that's awesome, because that was a cool reveal, too, <laughs> seeing Eddie's body all chopped up and shit like that underneath the uh, tablecloth. But after that reveal is made, you have Janet running oh, away uh, from wait, Frankenberger. Wait, wait, wait. You, you, can't, you can't sit there and you, got, you can't skip the line. I'm sorry. Because right, right, as it, right before they do the reveal, it's what's for dinner, Frankenfurter? And then they pull away the tablecloth and it's meatloaf again? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, do, I also miss the fact that it's actually his, 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 uh, Rocky's birthday. So, That's right. Yeah, yeah. Frank started wearing a birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. To you. <laughs> you know, wearing his evening gown for the night. You know, wasn't very elegant. Although I did love that leather jacket he was wearing though earlier with all the pins in it. I was like, so punk rock. Oh. So very kind of well, early seventies. You know, oh, with yeah, the British yeah, flag yeah. on the back. You yeah, know, but also very, so cool. very, very Ramon. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, he had a lot of uh, fashion changes. But like I had said, he chases Janet up the stairs because he knows what she did with Rocky. And it leads him <laughs> back into the lab where you get introduced to the Medusa Reducer. Which is, <laughs> I could turn anybody I want into stone. And this is what, uh, it. like, watching it now, it, it, I still love the fact that Columbia loved Frankenfurter. Like, you think that she loved Eddie. But she actually loved Frankenfurter first. You know, and she's like, I loved you. Like, you know, you did this, you created a person. Like, I got everything to you. And he's like, yeah, fuck it, you're Medusa too. <laughs> you know? Well, well, that's that's why for the opening credits, it's like her character is groupie. Because that's the thing is, she she wanted Frankenfurter, but she couldn't have Frankenfurter. So that's why she settled for Eddie after he gave up part of his brain for the Rock Rocky project. And then she was well, like, okay, well, I'll settle for him. Well, that's the oh, go thing, ahead, though, cool. too, though. I mean, come on, let's be real here. Frankenfurter's just, he's a fucking, he's a man whore. That's what it is, is he yeah. banged Columbia until he was ready to move <laughs> on. And then he moved on to the next one, which was Eddie for a little bit. He wooed Eddie, got what he wanted out of Eddie, and then he created Rocky. And he would do the same thing to Rocky. He would, you know, use him up until he was ready to move on yet again. You know, he's shit. He had Rocky, and he still freaking tried to bang both Janet and Brad. Same night. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the same night. You know, what a long night it is. But, yeah, again, this is what I don't like about Rocky R, is this last part where after they get all turned into stone by the Medusa Reducer, you have him dressing up everybody in costumes so they're all painted up and they all have boas on, and they're going to do this whole it's, act of don't dream it, be it's, it. It's time for the full show. <laughs> and it, it's fine for what it is. But I do love the fact that you have Columbia, when she gets, you know, brought back to herself, when she's dancing and singing the song, you see her tits fall out. But, of course, you have Susan Sarandon, who didn't want to do yeah. any nudity for the movie, so she's cleverly placed behind some boas. And that corset is extra tight. 
because they don't want anything falling out. <laughs> but Nell Campbell, who played Columbia, had no problem. <laughs> you know, it's, I'm going to show them. Well, that was <laughs> you know, we're going to put them they, they, they just popped out, and that was the thing is because in between these shots, they this was the most brutal part of the filming was the entire pool sequence, okay? Because this is at okay. the point where th- there was literally no heat anywhere in the building. The They're filming in winter. The pool is ice fucking cold. Yeah. Sarandon is, Sarandon is literally fighting pneumonia. She's got fever. She Like, she is, like, she, you know, she's running fever. She's got shakes and chills. She's still getting through all of her scenes. And multiplying. Um, everyone, yeah, everyone is just... <laughs> Fucking miserable at this point, you know, and yeah, the the reason the courses kept popping all over the place is because they were trying to, they had two sets of courses for each person, and it was, uh, one was off to dry for a little bit, they shoot, then they switch, switch out to the kind of dry one, and none of them were ever really getting dry, so none of them were ever really fitting, which is by the end, when they're in the pool sequence, they're just falling out all over the place, because you can't yeah, fit a wet, you can't fit a wet courses. And, and I forgot to mention the line before Janet gets into the Medusa Reducer before she gets turned into stone. She just goes, "You're a hot dog." You're a hot dog. It's like, yeah, you are. That's your name. Yeah, but yeah, they do the whole performance yeah. of the RKO tower and in the pool. I just I don't like it the the reveal of Riff and Magenta as aliens from the planet Transsexual in the Transylvanian universe and it's like yeah it's fine with Magenta having the Bride of Frankenstein hair and Riff Raff with his word curl and I just I don't like the alien thing it just it, it brought it down for me I'm like all right now they're aliens and yeah, Frankenfurter failed they're... his mission because they're going back to planet Transylvania that's the thing. Okay, the moon transsexual is the planet. Trans- yeah. Okay. Sorry, transsexual. All right, but they're going back to the moon rent shores of transsexual. All right, and I, okay, we just had don't dream it, don't. I mean, <clears throat> just be it, don't dream, dream it. Dream it, be it. I, I fucking yeah. Either way, great song. It's a great song. And we go, yeah. Then we go into I'm going home. You know where we at? Yeah. You know, ask the the hard pressed questions about whatever happened to Faye Ray. You know, it's a, oh, another great song. Yeah, it's another beautiful, beautiful song. And but after, you know, Frankenfurter does his song, and then we have the reveal of, yeah, uh, Riff Raff and Magenta are like, uh, yeah, you're not coming with us. You're staying yeah. here. <laughs> well, you're not staying here. You're going to be killed. And I love Riff Raff because he's got the laser gun that's actually like a pitchfork, like American Gothic. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. the painting. It's a weird pitchfork gun that's an antimatter laser that's going to kill Frank and anybody in the vicinity. And of course, Brad Jenner, you're going to fucking kill him? Why? Well, he did kill Eddie, so that's kind of fucked up. But everything else, like, he was kind of fun. <laughs> you know? I, I felt bad for Frank and Ferdinand. I did. Like, I don't think he deserved to be killed. By Magenta and uh, Rick Raff. I kind of felt bad for him because he wanted what he wanted. He was a man whore and he liked to have fun. And even smiling makes his face ache. Yeah, I, uh, again, I had no idea that they were aliens and 
I was kind of bummed out watching this end, you know, as all these characters yeah. that finally, you know, finally I make it through this entire damn film. Finally, you know, listen, I might not love this movie. I might not think it's as fantastic as a lot of people do. I mean, again, I still want to see you know, a live performance of all this stuff. Um, I can appreciate it for what it is. So to go through all that, only to find out that these fuckers die at the end? Yeah, now I'm kind of pissed. I'm like, you know what, man? This <laughs> kind of fucking blows. Well, especially because uh, Columbia. Kill everybody. Yeah, and Columbia, too. Like, Columbia had nothing to do with anything, and they kill her, too. And I'm like, God, did they kill Columbia? She didn't do anything. Or too. <laughs> yeah, but she didn't kill anybody. She just wanted to be there. But they had to kill her. And... After Frank has been shot by the lasers, you have Rocky mourning the death of his creator by getting him onto his back. And it's a funny sequence because you could tell that, obviously, Tim Curry is still alive. <laughs> so he's making movements on Rocky's back as he's climbing up the tower. He's, like, opening his eyes. He's yeah. breathing a little bit. It's just it's fun to see that. Rocky right. getting shot but not being affected by the lasers right away. Right, and again, this is a because they're trying to tap into monster movies and stuff like that. You know, quit, quit yep. out the King Kong, boom, done. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. and it leads to the castle being turned into a spaceship and flying away and leaving Doctor Scott and Brad and uh, Janet left behind to kind of crawl yeah. around in the dirt of what's left behind. Yeah. And and again, we get the great song of superheroes. It's only like a minute thirty yeah. seconds long. It's it's a it's a fun. But I like it bit. too, though. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it it makes that sequence a little bit more understandable as opposed to when you watch the American version because it, the American version yep. cuts that song out completely, and you're kind of like, why the fuck are they just wandering around in smoke? You know. And it so. sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That song is needed. I will agree with you on that, monkey. Because I have the UK and US version, I think you need to have superheroes in that ending to kind of give them something else to do other than just crawl around yeah. in the dirt and smoke with right. the criminologists talking yeah. about how they're pretty much insects. Yeah, lost in time, lost in space. <laughs> and You need a little something more. <laughs> and I completely agree that that song is needed. Uh, superheroes, and it's unfortunate uh, if you watch the U.S. version, it's not included. But yeah, it's, a, it's Rocky Horror. It's just it's one of those movies. I agree with you, Monkey. It's just, there's a lot of camps to the movie, and I've always loved it. Like I just I feel like if you if you watch this movie, you, there's something about it that I think everybody's gonna like. Like the ghoul, you know, watching it fully for the first time, you love Tim Curry, you know, and you just get it and you laugh and there's moments to have, but. There's people I've met that don't like it. And I'm like, what do you like about it? I'm like, well, the, the songs are dumb, and I don't like the whole transsexual thing. Like, I talked to the monkey not that long ago when I told him I showed my ex this, and she fucking hated it. She's like, this movie's dumb. She's like, the songs are stupid, the story's stupid. She's like, I don't know why Tim Curry's in drag. And I was like, how do you not like this movie? It's so much fun. She's like, no, I'm dumb. Coming from somebody that loves musicals, and I hate musicals. But I love this one. Like it just—it's like required viewing. You like gotta see it at least once. I I love musicals. I uh, I just yeah, something about this movie just never really resonated yeah. with me. And it's not a matter of being yeah. uncomfortable. I don't care about the cross dressing thing and like none of that. Well, we know that in any way. <laughs> I uh, it's just I don't know. It, it doesn't. Pics. 
<laughs> I see. Exactly. You know, like I just, uh, again, I, I feel like it's one that if yes, if a, I was introduced to it the proper way, which was to have seen it, you know, in a theater, the way yeah. I feel yep. like is, is the proper way to present this movie. I think that's really the thing. I think it's being that I've, I've seen this only in home viewings. Most of the time that I saw it, I was stoned. I think again, I, I think I'll enjoy watching it, you know, in that, in that theater element. But I don't think it's going to ever be a movie that I'm going to be like, one day it's going to click and I'm going to be like, I love this movie. After a live version, you might say that you like it, not love it, but you definitely say you might have a better appreciation for it. If you see it in a crowd of more than six people. Yeah, look, I appreciate it. I don't judge the people that do enjoy it. I understand. I understand rabid fandom. You know, I totally yeah, get that, yeah. you know, without a doubt. So I can, this is what they love, you know. Oh, no, there were plenty of yeah. things before the MCU, man. You know, come on. Oh, yeah. Star Wars funny, funny. And, and Terminator, mm. all kinds of films, mm. man. Mm. But also, yeah. it's like, the, 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 depending on the version of the DVD you have, um, there are ones where it does have the audience participation lines that oh, pop yeah. up yep. while, while you're watching the movie. Um, also, there are um, CDs out there called the Participation Albums, and they actually Jeez, are yeah. just an yeah, and they are just an audio CD of the movie and the lines that people yell out during the movie, and it's so you can train yourself to know the lines at the right time and all that kind of stuff. But all, all of that also being said, it doesn't mean that you have to stick with just the lines. It's like that's the fun thing about all of this is as you're watching it and you're there watching it yourself, you know, and you think and you've thought of a line that you think will work, you know, that's part of the Rocky Horror universe is you can sit there and throw out fresh lines if you want to and and see if they stick and see if people pick them up, you know, it's it's while while there's the designated lines, you know, it's okay to ad lib and add to it. Yeah, absolutely. And and it, it's one of those movies that through all my viewings from middle school all the way until now, it's it's one of those movies where it's agreeable that it's not for everybody, but it's always for that person that's feeling like an outcast. You want to be rebellious and it's the movie for you. Like it's it's basically being as rebellious as you can to a musical and having a good time with the material that's presented. It's it's transsexual. It's you know, doing everything that you could possibly do that's against a traditional musical, mm. and that's what always resounded with yeah. Rocky R, because you could always find somebody, like the monkey was saying, that knows the lines, that knows what's funny about the movie, and just gets it, where it's just, mm. it's fun, and it's just entertaining, and if you mm. get a good group of people together, yeah. and you see it, it just mm. makes it so much worthwhile. Mm. It and, is the freaky, and, deaky, and, freaking 70s, man, all yeah. rolled into one. Yep. <laughs> Anything goes. Yeah. Go ahead, monkey. And, and and in closing for the movie, it's like while this while this movie is fun, um, I will not and would not suggest anyone viewing the sequel. Okay, shock treatment. No, nope. Yeah, Pass. the sequel. Uh, entitled title shock treatment. The continuing story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> of Janet and Brad, and yeah, it's bad. Do not watch it. It's like you can get it in a double pack usually with a Rocky Horror Picture Show purchase. Yeah. But um, a one-time viewing is good if you're a Rocky Horror fan, but it's not necessary to continue the story. 
But but, uh, but that yeah. I was go and I was just gonna say, and that pretty much closes up Rocky Horror. Unless you've got one more thing to add, King. I did have one more thing, quick thing, and that's the the cultural impact, like you were talking about, Monkey. Because recently they did do a Glee episode when that show was running of Rocky Horror. But not only that, they did a live special, like the uh, the ghoul was talking about with uh, Little Mermaid. They did a live special of Rocky Horror, where they did the yeah. entire movie set live on Fox. So the movie has a cultural impact. People do like this movie enough that you do have a Glee episode or you do have a live performance on TV. So that's what I love about Rocky Horror is that it's always going to be there. Whether you love doing the time warp, whether you like the Sweet Transvestite, you know, whatever you like from the movie, it's there. And it's it's not going anywhere. Like we're still talking about it decades later. This is a 1975 movie and we're still talking about it, which I think is just the greatest yeah, I, I agree, man. Uh, hell, man, the diva and I did the time warp at our wedding reception. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. Yes, you did. <laughs> but, again, mm. monkey, with that said, we're closing out. Uh, I believe yep. next week it is you, Ghoul, who has a pick. Do you have something for us? <laughs> you know what, man? This entire episode, I was sitting there, I needed to think of something, and I never did. So I will have to give you guys something tomorrow, and you can put it on up there, man. I totally forgot. I flaked completely. Well, I put it up on Monday, so you have time. So you have time to set it up so we can tell the audience. I, I always like to have it, though, at the end of the episode. I'm always the one that's slacking on that, man. I always feel bad. Somebody's listening. I know they hit the end of the episode, and they're like, all right, what are they going to be doing next week? And then it's like, oh, fuck, <laughs> it's the ghoul's pick. Great. We know we're not going to get it this time around. <laughs> I promise you, we'll get it on the Facebook tomorrow or whatever, whatever – puts it out there, man. I'll give you something. I put it up on Mondays, but you know what? If you haven't had enough of us just yet, at least the ghoul and myself, tune in tomorrow night. We talked about it at the top of the episode for our official uh, pilot episode of the Cinema, where we talk about the lighthouse, the Robert Eggers film, tomorrow, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is true. Alrighty. So... <clears throat> Oh, excuse me. Yes, so in closing, I just want to say hey, thanks for listening, Fright fans, and once again, letting me come in your ear. Good night, everybody. All right. <laughs> cool. Why don't you hit us with a plug as we close out? Uh, like, I've got, uh, you know, like two, two, two quick plugs. Oh, no, really. One's a plug, one's, hit em. one's not. Hit whatever. Yeah, I'm going to go babbly for a little bit here, man. Uh, first and foremost, <laughs> obviously. Obviously, the holidays are around the corner. Get your asses over to Etsy. Look up Bonfire Bay Designs. Buy some shit. Bracelets, rings, jewelry, earrings. They're on there. She has, uh, you know, with the, with the school season going and all this other stuff going on, she hasn't had time to really get anything new out, but she will be working on stuff soon. She's also been sick, which sucks, man. You know, it's a real bummer um, that that early season you know, kids go back to school and they're fucking germ factories. They like to pick each other's noses and like touch each other. They all gotta fucking hug each other and spit on each other. They're fucking gross. Kids are gross. If you have the opportunity to not have them, don't. Whatever you do, Never. don't fucking do it. If you are completely afraid Never. of like germs and you don't want to get sick, don't have kids, okay? Because you're gonna get sick every time. They're fucking demons in disguise. 
That being said, though, Fuck he's him. so wonderful. Everybody loves him. <laughs> Just remember, so. you can't get pregnant from swallowing. Yeah, see, swallowing and <laughs> anal. You can't get pregnant through anal. Unless it's no ass baby. And into the vagina. Don't that do ass though. You know, that's how you get those, those odd-looking... That's how you get a yeah, crappy no, kid. That, that, that was, yeah. Well, no, you know, I, had to, I was going to say something, but you know what? I, I'm, I'm learning in these sensitive times that there's just certain things you shouldn't say. And it would have been you really funny, but I'm not going to say it. You don't get a mulligan on that um, one? <laughs> you know what, man? You never know. One day I might come up for the presidency, and they'll fucking, somebody will take this episode up, and they'll be like, oh, hey, man. Tommy said that off-color joke, and I'm going to be yeah, like, yeah. oh, well, you know, I just happened to grab him that way. Uh, uh, the other thing I buy stuff, office, get by school, <laughs> buy stuff, get school late. <laughs> Bottom line. Yeah, getting plugged. <laughs> getting plugged. So my, my other little thing, you know, and again, I got I to gotta take my celebrations where I can get them and when I can get them. I know oh, I'm so happy you're doing particular, this was very much there at my lowest low point. So I know he knows for a fact. Here I am. I'm four fucking years sober, man. Not one fucking drink. Nice in job. four damn years, man. 35,000 yeah. fucking hours or whatever the hell it was. I don't even remember. 35,000. I put some multiplication together, you know. Numbers. <laughs> me. <sighs> but uh, listen, man. The fact is, though, there's a lot of people out there. Um, that go through this through many things, whether it's alcohol, whether it's drugs, it doesn't matter. Um, the struggle for that, all jokes aside, it's very much real and it's hard. And yeah. you know what? Every day is not easy. You know, I'd love to say, oh man, yeah, fucking A, it was hard at first, but now, now it's, it's nothing. No, four years later, it can still be a bitch. Hell, earlier today, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, you know, man, yeah, it's great. It's four fucking years. Whoopty fucking do. You know, I really didn't think I was going to, I didn't, didn't want to post anything. I didn't want to have anything to do with it. And then, like, later in the day, I just thought about it. And I was like, you know what? I have to take them where they are. You know, I did actually achieve this. I have to remember that, that there is, you know, there is a struggle that's constantly going on in me that is always going to be wanting to go yeah. there, you know, and I wish I could just be that normal person that goes out, has a beer, has three beers, has four beers, and is perfectly fine, and you know what, nine times out of ten, that might happen, but all it takes is that one time, that one extra beer, that one extra shot, whatever it might be, that sends me off on the fucking spiral, that becomes the nightmare of fucking God only knows what, or who did I fuck around with this time, or, you know, who did I get into a fight with that time, why am I sitting in a jail cell again? We've all been there, you know. That's always a good time. <laughs> we have. Um, yeah, we so, have. Yeah, yeah. we have our stories. Uh, again, there's a lot of outreach programs out there. There's NAAA. If if you're struggling with it, go go ahead and use it. I'm not a weekly or a daily person. I'm not one of those people that's going to a meeting all the time. It's just not for me. Um, I believe everybody's sobriety is intrinsically tied to themselves and how they perceive it and how they're willing to do it. That doesn't mean my way is for everybody, um, but but it's out there. So if you need the help, don't be afraid to ask for it. Don't be afraid to go to a fucking meeting. Sit there quietly. You know, you don't want to talk. You don't have to. 
Do whatever you got to do. Come on the air like us and be assholes on the air for a couple of hours once a week. It's fun. <laughs> you kind of get all of those aggressions and all that fun stuff out, making fun of movies like Rocky Horror. But that being said, thank you all, my friends, for uh, for all your support over the years, too. So, you guys, thank you very much. All right. Great job, Meeting cool. you, up, cool. you, King and Will, Monkey, you guys, thank you. I'm not talking to the fucking audience. <laughs> And you know what? I love you, brother. I know that you're doing so well, and I hope you continue to do it. Here's to another four. Here's to another four. Here's to another four. And keep it going because I'm proud of you, brother. Thank you so much for being an inspiration. I'll be happy to have tomorrow. So I have to look at it every day. I have to have tomorrow, and that's it. I have now, so I just got to look tomorrow. Stay scared, everybody. All right, until next we meet with the ghouls pick, which has yet to be announced. Keep America strong. Keep watching horror movies. And, hey, by the way, what are you doing tomorrow night? Stay tuned for the cinema with the ghoul and myself talking about the lighthouse from 2019. We'll see you next time. We love you all. Be safe. Going deep into that. We're going to flush it out so you don't have to watch. Grab your egg.